two brothers in arms in suits in a suite. They jumped on their mics to give their listeners a treat. There was laughing and joking and fun all around. That's what happens when you listen to the rundown. Yar. Mm, here comes the rundown. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Welcome back, everybody, to the rundown. I'm your host, Jared Warren, as always, with my pilot, co-pilot, pilot. Co-pilot, pilot. Bo Coleman. Man, I just flew in from New York just a matter of minutes ago, and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no. Big Apple. Big, big Ample. Ample. <laughs> All right. Guys, as always, this show is brought to you by Ample. Awesome meal replacement drink. It's like magic in a bottle. All the incredible ingredients that the good people over at Ample have gone and sourced for you, where you don't have to blend and chop to get your brain and body goodness going every day. It is a key. It is a staple for me in my pursuit to peak performance. And while we're mentioning it here, I want you guys to know my team has made it very easy for you to go and grab this thing at success101podcast.com forward slash ample. That's A-M-P-L-E, not Big Ample. Not the Big Apple. Not Big Apple. So head to success101podcast.com forward slash ample. That's A-M-P-L-E. You're going to grab 15% off your 400 or 600 calorie goodness in a bottle. Put a little bit of milk in that thing, maybe even a little bit of ice when you head out the door each morning. And, like, uh, like a slushy. It's like a, it's like a smoothie. Yeah. Smoothie. Like an icy. Icy. Well, those are good, aren't they? Icy's? Oh, yeah. Big gulps. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. (laughs) So, guys, so glad to be back. I did just fly in from New York literally a matter of minutes ago, and now we're here bringing you guys the goodness because that's what we're committed to doing. Saw uh, Charles Barkley while I was there. Were you able to give Charles Barkley any uh, golf swing tips? Oh, man, I really wish I'd yelled that out at him whenever I saw him (laughs) walk by. Yelled it out at him. (laughs) Love your golf game, Chuck. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. That's just terrible. That's terrible. It really is, though. So, no, I had a great time. Got to see some uh, awesome stuff. I love New York. I mean, you know me, though, Bo. I actually did more of the historic George Washington stuff. Uh, All the other New York sites that you can go see. But I was looking up, where did George Washington say farewell to his generals? And a place called Francis Tavern there. I actually had an awesome afternoon at a place called the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit. Dead Rabbit. And there's sawdust on the floor. And there's colonial, (laughs) big giant colonial paintings and pictures. And you go in there and they've got all kinds of old whiskey. And I mean, oh, just man. like super colonial. So it's a ton of fun. Oh, man. But glad to be back here in Texas now where people are nice. So, Jared, a lot's happened. Olympics came and went. Well, that went fast. Yes, it did. It did. It was fun to watch Sean White at the top of his game again. Man, he killed it, didn't he? Cannot be stopped. Um, there were a couple stories that did come out of the Olympics. Specifically, I wanted to just draw your attention to one that caught my eye. So did you see that the Russian athlete who was filmed in the I don't do doping video on social media was actually pegged or she was nailed for failing a drug test at the Olympics? If you'd said, did you see in the 2014 Sochi Olympics where all the Russians were just dominating everybody and then it later came out that they were all doping and harmful <laughs> right. substances and things like that and then they all just pretty much got banned and couldn't even use their 
name in this Olympics. Yeah, exactly. I, I know a lot about that, but not about the story you're talking about right yeah. now. Russia finally has the gold. On the men's side, it was Team Russia coming out on top in the biathlon relay. One, two, three, gold, silver, and bronze. They completed the podium in the men's cross-country skiing. Is it going to be a Russian celebration? Yes, it is! Zukov, the hero at home! Russia's medalist. They're getting a big new perk after the Olympic Games in Sochi. The host country is giving a Mercedes to every one of its athletes who medaled in the Games. 33 luxury cars. And for those medalists who aren't old enough to drive, their cars come with a driver. I keep on falling. The commission investigated allegations made in a German documentary last December, which accused Russia of state-sponsored doping. In the Swiss sunshine, a dark day for the sport of athletics. The World Anti-Doping Agency calls for Russia to be suspended from all athletics competitions. Russia was pretty much banned from entering the Olympics this year as a country, so if you were from Russia in the Olympics, you were athletes from Russia, is what your like sweatshirt said, or like that was like your team name. So this story that I saw... We shall win. We <laughs> shall dope. In Soviet Russia, you win Olympics or you die. You would die or you would dope. So Nadezhda Sergeyeva, uh, she was the pilot bobsledder for the women's team that placed 12th this year. And in a video that was featured on social media on her Instagram, she was wearing a shirt that says, I don't do doping. My what? first clue that someone does doping is when they go online and wear t-shirts that say, I don't do doping. <laughs> <laughs> well, your red flag sensor right there... Well served, because she has since uh, failed a drug test. 12th place finish was stripped of her, and, and that video has since been deleted. Yeah, I mean, that that's like when I'm talking to somebody, and it's, you know, like 9 in the morning, and I'm like, hey, you sound tired. And they go, well, I'm not tired, but and I'm not slurring my words either. It's like, that's a pretty key sign they've already started drinking that day. It's like, why would you say, why would you offer that up? I feel like this is a personal attack. Bo, we got to talk. <laughs> I've noticed some trends. In other news, did you see that Pizza Hut has now announced a multi-year partnership with the NFL? I did see that recently because Papa John's was saying that all the protesting stuff was making him lose yep, business. Yep. Papa John's he and the gone. NFL have mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah, and- I'm sure it was mutual. I'm sure Papa John was like, <laughs> oh, you guys want to drop me? Ah, man, I was thinking the same thing this weekend. I was going to give you a call on Monday, but I'm so glad you're coming to me. Let's just handshake and leave. <laughs> I'm sure it was so mutual for him to do that. Yeah. It's- I think he was like, wait a minute. What do you mean about those comments? I made. Wait, what do you mean you're going to drop my sponsorship? No, God, please, no. <laughs> it's like on the movies when, you know, the boss is trying to fire a worker. Well, you can't fire me because I quit. Holy cow. I just can't imagine him being any anything okay with that, even though he did make no. those comments. No. Uh, well, the Papa John's, you know, the, the company, they've been the NFL pizza partner for the last, well, since 2010. And so now Pizza Hut has just signed a deal and they will be the new NFL pizza provider so going is, forward. So is Peyton Manning going to start doing Pizza Hut I don't know what Peyton Manning is going to do. I don't think we need to worry too much about they his well uh, You know, when you're when you're kind of watching a dance that the two dancers think they're really good together and you're yeah. kind of watching it going, that's not that great. That's what I felt like Papa John and Peyton Manning. You know, they, they kind of did these scripted jokes in their thing. Peyton Manning's pretty funny on his own. He but, is funny. But you put Papa there, and it just, it wasn't that funny. Peyton, uh, Snoop Dogg from the Rich Eisen Show. Um, first of all, can I get a 50% discount on Papa John's pizza when I'm in the state of Colorado? Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah, so now Americans everywhere, we can pizza all pizza. chow down on Pizza Hut pizza. And we can all go to party at LeVar Ball's place during the 2018 football season and watch him out pizza the hut. Never, Never lost. lost. I'm the only man in history to out pizza the hut. 
<laughs> Never lost. So, Jared, I came across a story recently, and I felt like it had to be shared. I can't wait. So, uh, today I want to talk to you about Mary Ann Brown Patton. Mary Ann Brown Patton. Okay. You ready for this? Uh, yeah, I'm ready as I'll ever be. That's like saying, are you ready to have kids? And people are like, sure. <laughs> well, sure. my answer to that is... Kind of have an idea of what's coming, but not really. <laughs> so Mary Ann Brown was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts in 1837 to George and Elizabeth Brown. Okay. Just before her 16th birthday, she married a young captain named Joshua Adams Patton. In captain, Boston. Like yeah. a like a ship uh, captain. Ship captain. Ship captain. Joshua Adams Patton. And they married in Boston on April first, eighteen fifty three. So like, eighteen fifty three. Okay, I'm just I'm familiarizing myself here with where we are in history. And if you're doing the math, that is around her sixteenth birthday, too. So Yeah, I mean I already knew that before you said that because I do math that fast. Right, exactly. And because I said it. So Yeah. In 1855, Captain Patton was offered the command of a clipper ship named Neptune's Car. I'm Captain Patton, and this is my clipper ship, Neptune's Car. When was the car invented? This is not the right time frame <laughs> in history. Neptune's Car, it was short for carriage. Like, Interesting. Yeah. They were so way, way ahead of their time. Right. So according to the New York Herald, Patton was a last-minute replacement for the ship's original captain, who had gotten sick shortly before the vessel was set to travel the world. I wasn't supposed to be here, but they got me here as quick as they could. Hey, he's like, come along, afterthought. Let's go. Come hop in my car. It's a Cadillac. Wait, that hadn't been invented yet. Wait, neither has a car. What's going on here? <laughs> Patton was hesitant to leave his wife for this long so early in their marriage. And so the ship's owners. How grand- long have they been married? Like a minute? Yeah, like a minute. Like, like two years. Two years. Sorry, darling. I got a car ride to catch. I mean, wait, <laughs> a schooner ship. <laughs> so confused. You don't mind if I like leave for like the next, I don't know, 17 months. You're going to be cool here? Hey, that, here? I mean, think about it, man. That's the crazy thing. Like you go back to like the revolutionary period. You got guys like John Adams and Benjamin Franklin. Well, Benjamin Franklin was like doing his own thing outside of his wife. But like you got John <laughs> Adams who was faithful to his wife and these other guys that are like, hey, I'm leaving. And this seems like a good opportunity. I'll see you in five years. Yeah. And you're just hoping they're faithful the whole time. Yeah. He got permission from the ship's owners to bring his wife along. Then Now, again, they were married for two years, but the first two years of their marriage, he was doing a lot of voyages between New York and Boston. So he was already not home long, and then he found out he was going to be gone for like an enormous amount of time, so he got permission to bring her along. Oh, that's nice of them. They launched from New York in 1855. For the next 17 months, they sailed to San Francisco, then China, then London, and then back to New York. How'd they get to San Francisco? Well, around Cape Horn. They went all the way down the coast of South America. No way. Around Cape Horn and up the west coast of South America. That's what people had to do back well, then. Well, I guess Panama Canal wasn't there. Correct. Then. So they had to go through the Roaring Forties. The Roaring Forties. Roaring Forties huh? down in the, whatever, uh, is it the Indian Ocean at mm-hmm. the bottom of the Cape? Mm-hmm. Where it's just crazy. That's actually where most of our story takes place. Crazy treacherous. That's why the Panama Canal was so instrumental. Yep. It's actually where most of our story awesome. takes place. Not not this voyage per se, because everything went smooth sailing, literally. Because she had come from a wealthy family, Mary was highly educated and had passed the time learning navigation, how to give and carry out orders around a boat, and assisting Joshua with his duties as captain. Hey, boys, I'm educated enough to know this is going to take a long time. <laughs> you boys go clean up that deck now, you hear? <laughs> After returning to New York, Joshua was asked once again to captain the Neptune's car on another journey to San Francisco. So they got to do it again. Wow. Yep. The resolve and, like, resilience of these people just back in that time amazes me. 
It was common for ships leaving for the same destination to compete with one another in a race against time to see who could arrive first. <laughs> we're going to be on this ship for a long time. Might as well have a little fun with it while we're at it. <laughs> Probably Most exactly what it was. Die. Let's see who can win and stay alive. Well, the Neptune's car had already made a name for itself in terms of speed. It had already, like, you know, that 17 months prior, they were already known as a pretty dang fast ship. How fast? They rode a 60, how long? I, I, I don't know how many knots God, that they were going. Man. Yeah, sorry. Listeners are going to want to know. I know. Well, what they should know is that a captain would receive $3,000 for safely transporting cargo, but usually $5,000 was often rewarded if he could make the voyage in less than 100 days. From New York to San Francisco. I can't imagine the, the sickness that they had to endure. Scurvy. <laughs> Scurvy. <laughs> it's very common around our house mm-hmm. to fill in the R on a joke. So I'll oftentimes ask, what's the pirate's favorite thing to ride around in when they're not on the ship? And my kids will go, what? And I'll say, a car. <laughs> what's his favorite fruit? Watermelon. <laughs> what's a pirate's favorite letter? You'd think it'd be R, but it's actually the C. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That doesn't play into my joke there at all, but it was Well, no, when they guess R, it absolutely does. So Joshua had previously completed this voyage in 101 days, so he missed the $5,000 opportunity. We'd love to give you that money, and you really look bad and tired, and we know you competed really hard, but that extra day, that really hurt you. Wish I hadn't been counting the stars I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what you're going to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get back on that boat, see? Or that car, or whatever it is that you're riding around in these Neptune's days. Neptune's car. Yep. All right. You're going to go again because you're such a good sailor. We've I'm got a another sailor. job for you. Okay. We've got another job. What's the job? Do it in 100 days. You'll 100 get days. Paid. I just tried to do that. I did it 101. You'd Ar- better see with every round. Uh, now let's go again. You're right. I can't do this. The crazy thing is those people didn't know any different. They're not like, hey, one day people won't have to do this. To them, they were like, look how fast we can do this <laughs> miserable journey. <laughs> Joshua and Mary set to arrange the ship's departure, but they ran across a little bit of bad luck when their first mate broke his leg, forcing them to find a last-minute substitution. Ooh, I hear amputation coming. Really, what should be happening is a last-minute substitution should be throwing some red flags up. Well, I don't know, because this dude sounds like this dude running the show is a last-second substitution, and he's... Oh, good point. Actually, yeah, he's actually making it pretty well here. Good point, yeah. Sailing all over the world in a car. Fair enough. The ship departed from New York for San Francisco on July 1st, 1856. Hey, guys, in the future, you'd be crushed to know you can do this a lot faster. (laughs) Hey, you're going the wrong direction. Oh, wait, that's in the future. Oh, wait, you're in a car. But wait, you're still on a ship. Uh, They left along with two other ships, the Intrepid and Romance of the Seas. So the Intrepid, that's a Dodge car. What about the Romance of the Seas? Is that? That's some other car that some high schooler named Romance of the (laughs) Seas. So we've got Neptune's car, high schooler. which we're not sure what kind of car that is, but we know it floats. And Do you think Neptune drives a Sebring? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's a, I knew there's a reason to ask you on this podcast with me. <laughs> Never a dull moment with Bo around. Never. It became obvious Arr. that the first mate Joshua had found was causing trouble on the ship. Trouble? What kind of trouble? Well, he would abuse crewmen verbally and physically, and he would leave sails reefed, which I had to look up. It just means that he left them up, which impeded the speed of Neptune's car. They think we're moving, but it's just the water going past us. Need a little wind here. Hey, why are we still here in the harbor? On many occasions, Joshua caught the first mate sleeping while he was supposed to be in command of the clipper. He was really laying down on the job. He was. He was. Hey, you snooze, you lose, right? 
Joshua reprimanded him, but when his abilities failed to improve, Joshua had him shackled in irons and placed below deck confined to his cabin. Yeah, Joshua. It is believed that the first mate had placed a bet on the other ships to port in San Francisco before the Neptune's car, so oh, he was just trying to sabotage. impede their progress. Yeah, sabotage. Well, my first clue was when he left all the sails tied up. I knew something was going on Something's there. Something's up. Joshua then had to pick up the duties of both captain and first mate as they sailed south along the coast of South America. At one point, Joshua went eight days and nights straight without any sleep, which eventually caught up to him. I got to do everything around here. (laughs) I got to run the ship. I got to clean this place up. I got to keep the sails from being reefed. All of that, his wife's still probably finding something to get onto him about. (laughs) What do you think he looked like on that eighth day? Just walks out. My God. Oh, Joshua, you look like a pirate. The days and nights are bleeding together. I'm not doing so hot. I'm so tired, but thank goodness I'm not starving. (laughs) (laughs) The ship departed from New York for San Francisco on July 1st, 1856. Time to depart. Neptune's car was at the foot of Cape Horn and caught in a storm when Joshua Patton collapsed on the ship. Oh, man, you can't hit the roaring 40s with eight days of no sleep. No, and he was caught. In a storm, when he just collapsed on the deck, he had developed tuberculosis. 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 Wait, was he on the Oregon Trail? That was dysentery. Oh, that's, well, <laughs> TB as well. well. Dysentery was the big one, though. Right. This is like the Oregon Small Trail. <laughs> this is like the Oregon Trail of the sea. Of the sea. In a car. Right. Neptune's Arr. car. Arr. Neptune's car. There. So, uh, after developing tuberculosis, he lapsed into a coma. Quickly, as they're in the middle of the storm, command had to be identified. Usually, the responsibility is to go to the first mate. He was locked up in shackles below deck. So, after the ship's first mate was passed up, they would go to the second mate. But it was really quickly found out that that guy was illiterate and had no idea how to do navigation. (laughs) When you lie on the resume and you get the job. Yes. Yes. This guy fluffed his resume. Uh, ship? Yeah, ship. Yes. Yes. Oh, ship. Sell, sell them all the time. Uh, my middle name, uh, sir, is Ship. Are you shipping me? I could sail that thing all over the world. Uh, I was shipping my pants when I was little. <laughs> well, he's shipping his pants now because they're calling him up for duty. Ah. <laughs> Yar. All this left. Mary Patton, at 19 years old and two months pregnant, as the most qualified person on board to bring the ship safely into port in San Francisco. Oh, wait, hang on, time out. The, yep. You said the other guy was illiterate. Illiterate. But you can't figure out how to sail a ship? Well, you've got to read charts. Well, you look at the stars. Well, you know. What if she read the charts? The stars. What if, what if she read the charts for him, <laughs> and then he just steered it in the right direction? Man, I think back in that time, like, you had to be able to just navigate like that. I, look. I wasn't there. I don't have the answers, I mean, Jared. they are driving a car. So, right. I mean, a Sebring. Or a Sebring. Um, racing a Dodge Intrepid. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, they're racing against the Dodge Sailing Intrepid. Sailing all over the world just to get back to the other side of the same country. Well, remember, Mary had spent 17 months learning how to navigate, how to give and take orders, you know, on the ship, and basically how to be a captain on the previous voyage. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like, she is the most qualified because the other guy is... Locked up in shackles, and the third guy lied on his resume. The former first mate, you know, who's locked in shackles, he's got a problem with this, so he wrote Mary a letter warning her of the challenges ahead. Because of the harsh winds and rough seas, it being pretty much the most treacherous passage there is on Earth. I don't think there's anything that we've seen so far that's going to compare to to what we're about to to encounter. 
it's the unknown for the people that have never been down there. You know, they've only got what they've read or heard about the Southern Ocean to go by. I've never been in the Southern Ocean. I've never seen waves like I think we're going to see. I mean, um, basically, they're going to be like cliffs. It fits a classic Southern Ocean, and uh, man, yeah, it's shaping up to be, I mean, already. Uh, as we all know, many seasoned captains had met their demise navigating the treacherous seas around the Cape. Seasoned. Seas. Seasoned on the seasoned seas. Seasoned by the seas, sir. The first mate implored her to reinstate him, but Mary replied that if her husband hadn't trusted him as a mate, she couldn't trust him as a captain. Nope. This enraged the first mate, and as crewmen would bring him food, he attempted to incite a mutiny by trying to convince the crew they would be better off putting him in charge over Mary, and that they should then port in Valparaiso as opposed to trying to make it all the way to San Francisco. Mary found out about the mutiny, and so she responded by addressing the crew one day, stating that they would only port in San Francisco and that she was committed to ensuring the success of the voyage, the preservation of the cargo, and the survival of all on board. She inspired all of them and eventually had their unanimous support. Well, women weren't very regarded highly. They weren't. They weren't. So you know this must have been this must have been a heck of a speech. She fought down a mutiny at nineteen and two months pregnant. I think that they really knew like how moody a pregnant woman was, and they just did not want to do that. <laughs> she really wanted to make it to San Francisco because she knew that only they had Rocky Road ice cream, and she was really, really craving it. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to get there, or she was going to make them go out at midnight once they got yeah. there to get it for them. <laughs> and they were going to be such jerks if they didn't. Since the ship had departed in early July, the plan was to reach Cape Horn during early spring in the Southern Hemisphere. But when they arrived, the ship found that winter was holding steady. As they fought forward, they passed the Intrepid, one of the clippers oh, that, Dodge car that had left there. New yeah. York with them heading back the other way. They had given up. They had tried to fight through it, and they're like, mm-mm, and they started heading back. Now, of the 20 crewmen on the Intrepid, 10 had drowned, and the ship was flying the distress flag, so they weren't in great shape. That yeah. should have been a red, I don't know if the distress flag was red, but that should have been a red, red flag. flag. Right. Absolutely. Maybe well, that's where that came from. Maybe that distress possibly. flag was a red flag. Yeah, possibly. Ah. Hmm. Well, in normal circumstances, the Neptune's car would have stopped to offer aid, but because they were fighting for their own survival, they went ahead and just kept charging. Just full speed ahead in the storm. You get in trouble nowadays if you don't stop for aid. Yeah, right? But not back then. Back then, you just let 19-year-old pregnant women sell you around the world. Right, exactly. Yeah, we got our own problems to worry about. Trust me, we won't help you guys. Yeah, we got this moody pregnant woman running the show here, and if we don't get her where she needs to go fast, she's going to go crazy. Oh, thank God you guys stopped. We thought you were going to pass us. We really appreciate... Hey, who's that? You guys have a woman in charge? Why is she yelling? Why why is she really angry? Hey, I'm actually... You know what? Hey, (laughs) we really appreciate it. We're going to actually back on this ship over here hey look we're good we're gonna take our red flag down great. now that we see what's going on we are great okay. you know what here yeah. actually here take this is our red flag you can have it you guys take this this is we're great we're doing okay over here I, oh man why do all these girls gotta be tough and angry all the time it sounds about right <laughs> When it became clear that the winds would not let up, Mary made a gamble and altered course to the south by southeast to ride the wind in search of calmer water. So stop fighting the wind. Go with it. Yeah, we don't have enough bad stuff going on here. Let's not do what hundreds of years of history and merchant marine sailing has told us is the way to go. We're just going to route our own way around They're here. Gonna, we're just going to keep on going that south and like search for calm idea. waters. Yeah, right? Actually, they were rewarded. They found calm seas. 
and she began redirecting the ship back west. She actually estimated there were 250 miles of Cape Horn at that point. So heading west, they're going on that way. Or is that just what she told crew members like Columbus in his journal? Well, that's probably in right. In Columbus's journal, he would always way overestimate how long they had traveled so that there wasn't mutiny on board. <laughs> like they go 100 miles in a day and he'd tell them that they went like 250 miles. <laughs> and they'd go, yeah, and they'd be so excited. And he's like, don't tell anybody that that's <laughs> And then toward you know, the end, they really started figuring it out. They're like, if we had gone even half the amount of miles you said we would, we'd be at land by now. Oh, man, Columbus, he was full of surprises, huh? That's another That's another rundown. Yeah. A short time later, as they're heading west from the crow's nest, a crewman alerted Mary that ahead was a heavy haze, indicating possible ice in the waters. Haze ahead! <laughs> there she haze! Land ho! No, haze ho! <laughs> The clipper pulled up most of her sails, and for the next few days, they carefully navigated around icebergs and in poor visibility. Mary was working tirelessly as captain, first mate, and all the while tending to her sick husband, Joshua, who had been stricken at this point with blindness. I think Joshua needs to suck it up and realize what's going on here and just get up and do something about all this. Dude just went blind. Or says he did. Or says he did. (sighs) Do me a favor and try to toughen up. She shaved his head to help cool his fever. (laughs) Man, anytime it's hard for me to see, I just start wanting to get all my hair off my head. (laughs) Sick and in a coma on the ship's floor? Going blind? Don't fear! The pirate hair clipper! I can see again! Mary was reading up on medical texts, anything that she could find, to help improve his condition. I'll go down to the boat's library down below and just pull a medical book out. (laughs) Let's take a second, though. Seriously, this woman is captain and first mate and, like, learning up on medicine to be caretaker. something because her freaking husband's sucking it up over there and acting like all these things going on. The dude's going blind, man. And meanwhile, he's locked probably the second most confident person down below because the dude just wants to, you know, sabotage and and port and cause a mutiny. As Neptune's car reached calm weather and smooth seas, they began to make their way up the western coast of South America. Joshua's condition began to improve, and he... Cut that hair off. He's getting better. Yeah, actually, it wasn't a bad move. He reclaimed authority of the ship to help relieve Mary so that she could rest. He... <laughs> I can just see it now. Oh, no need to be here, Mary. You go on down below. This is man's work. He probably did the t- typical guy thing. He just got better and was like, I'll handle it from here. Get out of here. <laughs> Why are you still standing here? Leave me, woman. No, I don't need to stop and ask for directions. I know I can't see, Mary. Mary, are you still here talking to me? However, he quickly relapsed and was bedridden <laughs> once again. It didn't last long. I've got this. <coughs> Actually, um, he saw what a tough job it was yeah. and realized that she had been doing a great job at it. Yeah. And it's like other guys with the dishwasher where it's like, I don't know how to load the dishwasher. <laughs> I don't know how to change those kids. Babe, I don't know how to mow the lawn. Hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you come over here and show me one more time, please? No, oh, I'm going blind again. <laughs> Mary continued to care for her husband when she wasn't above helping the crew reach their destination. But Mary began to suspect that something was a little off about their heading. Joshua had a crew member make a wooden compass in the captain's quarters, and they discovered that Mary's suspicions were correct. Wait, a wooden compass? A wooden compass. It's just a compass out of wood. Yeah, but don't they need magnets to do what they need to do? There's a magnet on the wood, I guess. Hey, look, we made a wooden compass. Look how beautiful it is. Why is it not moving? Hey, we've been going west for 13 days. It hasn't moved. Just keep going west. (laughs) We must be going the right way. Mary's suspicions were correct. The ship was heading for Valparaiso, Chile. I knew after 20 days when that compass hadn't moved, 
We're in big trouble. <laughs> so basically, Mary saw, like, I don't know if it's according to the stars, like, ah, these just don't look right. We shouldn't be going this way. So they build the compass. They find out that the first mate, once again, is trying to sabotage everything and make them port at Valparaiso because he thinks they he got, got it figured out. Back up. They did. They locked this guy back up, and then they went up to the crew deck, and Joshua made it clear, while he's completely sick and once again bedridden, made it clear to all the crew, we will not port anywhere but San Francisco. The fear we was... We must stay on our course. We must. Now they're in deep chili. The fear was that if they ported anywhere else, they would lose crew, because they would get off, because the chi- the trip had already been like horrible, and that also some of the cargo would either be taken or destroyed, and they didn't want to risk either of those things. Yeah, it's not a good situation. No, not at all. She sailed across the remaining 5,000 miles of open ocean up to San Francisco. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, she hadn't been able to change her clothes for 50 days. Oh, she smells wonderful. Rank, man. That's what I always wondered about people back then is how they – I mean, I guess two terrible smells just cancel, cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah. Instead of changing her clothes, she dedicated all of her free time to studying more medicine and caring for her husband. And so she has pretty much been credited for keeping him alive during the voyage, although unfortunately he never fully recovered with his health. Ah, man, she's reading all these medical textbooks and nobody read a book to know that a wooden compass can't work. (laughs) (laughs) When Neptune's car finally reached San Francisco, Mary refused a pilot ship to help them navigate into the port and she took it in herself, cargo and all. I know she didn't parallel park, though, because no no woman that knows how to do that. It was said that never before had a vessel entered the harbor in better shape than Neptune's car. Wow. Yeah. The voyage had taken over 130 days. She probably didn't even know how to change the oil either. I know that for a fact. What's that loud rattling sound? I don't know. How long has it been going on? I don't know. (laughs) Well, you got to pay attention to these things, woman. I never drive your car, so when you hear something doing that, you got to let me know. I saw a great picture on the internet, and it was like when Bay lets you look at what's wrong with her car, and it showed a guy's picture of the dashboard, and literally every light <laughs> is lit up. <laughs> I need you to come look at something. For some reason, in the last two years, it's just lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> yep, it's totaled. <laughs> The voyage had taken over 130 days, but they arrived second out of the ships that had left New York with them, but 11 days before the Intrepid. Mary had delivered the cargo completely intact, which had valued at around $300,000, saving the owners thousands of dollars. But they didn't do it within 100 days. They didn't. I bet she didn't let her husband hear the end of that. Oh, they didn't make it back in 100 days? she was doing it all on her own and they didn't make it in time, yeah. No one was even close because of the horrible storms that were going down south. And they were doing it with a wooden compass. With a wooden Those compass. Those guys had no excuse. None excuses. None. None. None excuses. None of them. So because she had saved the owner so much money, they rewarded her with $1,000, and upon receiving the gift, she responded in a letter saying that she had performed, quote, only the plain duty of a wife. Oh, man. How humble. I've got to let my wife hear this podcast. Because <laughs> if those are only the plain duties of a wife. Yeah. According to Mary, the plain duties of a wife are completely taking over this ship full of crewmen who basically want to have a mutiny against you, convincing them not to, taking them through the roaring 40s in this crazy storm across Cape Horn, finding calm waters somehow 250 miles, with miles south compass. with a wooden compass, nursing her husband back to health all the way and still still not changing her clothes within 50 days. <laughs> it's the least I can do to make my <laughs> husband happy. I'm just doing what anyone else would have done. Yeah. 
My wife's tuning into this for sure. <laughs> Joshua, by this time, had fallen deaf and incoherent. Oh, my gosh. The dude's blind, deaf, and incoherent. He was placed on a steamer headed east, accompanied by his wife. I think it wasn't tuberculosis. I think his pride and humility were just shot through the floor <laughs> after his wife doing all that. She did a better job than I ever did. I'm so embarrassed. I might as well just lie here for the rest of my life. I'm so embarrassed of going blind. When they arrived in New York, Mary gave birth to their son. First child. It was a son. Unfortunately, Joshua passed away a short time later. He never was aware he had a son. This guy can't help with anything. Dude, how sad is that? This guy goes in this, like, across-the-world trip with his wife. She's pregnant. He becomes deaf, blind, and incoherent. She has a son, and he passes away Dude, never I mean, when knowing. You're, when your man card is revoked because of all the things she did and you're that embarrassed, you just— Well, it was probably a little bit of the tuberculosis, I'm too, that did it. I'm not even man enough to take care of a son if I knew I had one. <laughs> He's not my son. She's enough man and woman to be a husband, <laughs> a father, and a wife. <laughs> I'm just doing all I can. It's the least I can do. All the ships in New York and Boston flew their flags at half-mast for Captain Patton. Captain Patton's got a nice ring to it, by the way. Sounds like a serial. They almost. flew their flags at half-mast for this guy that just gotten so outmanned. Well, before by his this, wife. before this, he was an incredible captain. You know, the 17 months they had gone from New York to San Francisco to China to London. I mean, the guy was a stud, and he was. Not that old. He's like 25, 26. She probably just wore him down over time. Every time he'd go do all those things, she'd ca- catch him down in the quarters and go, you know, I could have done that better. And he just got worn down over time till he went blind. Mary's voyage had made her a celebrity, and funds were raised to help support her after the loss of her husband. She responded in a letter to the newspaper thanking everyone for their generosity, but downplaying the fuss, saying that her family was poor but not destitute. And she had done what anyone would have done in her situation. So she really just didn't want to be like in the limelight. She was seriously just thinking like, well, what else would you have done? Like, I just did what anyone would have done. What a crazy story. How crazy is that? The first woman to captain an American merchant ship. Around the world. And yeah, and like it's not just like Amer- uh, American merchant ships at that time. I mean, you know, it was going from New York to Boston. She didn't do that. She went from New York to San Francisco around Cape Horn. That's crazy. Right? That's nuts. Yeah. Different time back then. I, I wish the story had a little bit of a happier ending than that, but I mean, the uh, well, merchant. not fair, man. I mean, it's not. Yeah. The Merchant Marine Hospital, actually in New York, is named after her. Really? You were just there. You ready for on this day? Bring it to me. 1780, Pennsylvania becomes the first U.S. state to abolish slavery for newborns only. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give a little. Dude. But we're not going to give a lot. When I started reading that fun fact, I was like, oh, wow, cool. And then I got to the end and I was like, wow. So, hey, we know you, man, and you, woman, are slaves. But your baby is not. It's a baby. So, like, do they raise it as they are slaves? And then when it gets, like, a certain age, like, oh, I guess I get that. That baby keeps crawling off, but we've been told we can't do anything about it because he's free. I don't understand that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it had to start somewhere. It did. It did. But, I mean, think about it. It's crazy. It took... Years later to 1865, Mm -hmm. 1865 to 1867, somewhere in there, Lincoln's shot, never sees the end of the Civil War. They win. Slavery's abolished, you know, with that point all over. 1872, Yellowstone becomes the first national park in the world. You ever been to the Yellowstone? I haven't, but I want to go. We took an awesome trip when I was younger. My grandparents had a RV 
It was awesome. And my parents, my grandparents, we went on this cross-country trip, like just straight from Texas all the way almost up to the Canadian border. And we stopped at Yellowstone, and it was just amazing. The RV is always, to me, like a cigar is. It's always such an awesome idea going mm-hmm. into it. And then you get about halfway into it, and you're like, why did I do this? Oh, dude, we had so many awesome memories of that RV. I we, think if you've got a really like awesome one, then it's fine. Yeah, we did. But you also could have been a kid and thought anything was awesome. Which is probably also what played into it. Like I said, a lot of awesome memories in that. We actually sold it. And I've actually seen it a couple times in town because of like like the four dolphins on the side. It's not. It was like a design that we had on our RV and you don't see it a whole lot. And I've actually seen it driving around. I'm like, oh my gosh, it used to be ours. You ought to buy that and name it Neptune's car. Neptune's car. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know for a fact my younger sister lost a hermit crab in that one time oh and it's sitting somewhere we never found it <laughs> we never found Somebody's it gonna stay in that thing and get crap it was when the side had like you know been retracted out to make room for like the pull-out couch and we like had gotten out of the cage and it was time to drive so we had to bring the side back in and we think it was underneath the part that slides in and out and we never found it again uh 1954 u.s explodes castle bravo the 15 megaton yes. hydrogen bomb at bikini atoll the most powerful nuclear device ever detonated by the u.s bikini atoll sounds like the last place they should be blowing up a bomb yeah that sounds like an awesome place that any guy especially soldiers back then would want to go to yeah anybody these guys are having too much fun let's blow it up why do they name it bikini atoll well probably not a lot of girls there wearing overalls <laughs> Just a guess. I'm not sure. I, I read Context a, clues. I read a hilarious fan theory that uh, SpongeBob, which takes place in Bikini Bottom, is actually like the ocean floor next to Bikini Atoll. And all these animals can talk because of the nuclear radiation that went off after the explosions. Is that a real story? It's a fan theory. Guys, if you want to connect with us, please shoot an email to info at success101podcast.com or you can catch me on Twitter under the name Warren Jared, on Instagram under success101podcast or you can catch us on the Facebook Success 101 community page. Guys, you can find me on Facebook as well, Bo Coleman, or on Twitter at Bodacious. That is B-E-A-U-dacious. <laughs> We've been waiting. Yeah. I've been waiting here on pins and needles for I'm gonna you to get, get all back your Twitter it, information down and you finally release your screen name and that's I, the most awesome thing you could have Bodacious. Given. That's great. B E A U Dacious two six nine one. And then Instagram guys, you can find me at Bo underscore Coleman. Connect with us, chat with us, and we'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of The Rundown. Arr.